hello and welcome to Soundtrack Showdown, where normally we take two movies, games, etc., pit them against each other and declare an overall winner. But this month, uh, Ella and I, welcome Ella, by the way, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> we'll be doing something just a little bit different. We've sort of found that, I don't know, like like most um, uh, soundtracky type uh, podcasts that games can be a little bit tricky to do sometimes um, in particular to be able to like really research them and do them we've done a few in the past but for this month I've decided that we sh- will go through some of the best music from last year and rather than doing just like one game versus another uh, we're going to do I think we've got six different categories here today and we're just going to do like one v one in each category, which I think is actually great because it's going to allow us to uh, talk about maybe some of the current trends in game music because I think there's some interesting things beginning to happen and also to actually get a little bit of a survey of some of the composers um, currently working because we're talking about some of the the really good current composers at the moment. Um, So I'm actually really quite excited about that and that should be quite fun. Um, uh, What do you think, Ella? (laughs) Well, I'm excited to talk about the versatility. Mm. Also, it's nice to kind of discuss the different type of genres that that some of the games that we're going to be exploring, um, because some of them are really cool. And Mm. some of them are like, you wouldn't even think that they're game music. You would think that they're coming straight off from a film. It's very cinematic. Yeah. Fantastic. So the six categories that we're going to be um, looking at today Uh, First, we're going to be looking at um, the best remix and arrangement. That could be fun. Then the best original song for a game. Then best original song for eSports. Best main theme. Why did we do best main theme fourth? That'll be entertaining. (laughs) Something to look forward to, everybody. Then um, the most unique game music of 2020. And finally, the most fun game music of 2020. So... Uh, let's get right into it with, um, I guess, the more nostalgic end of the spectrum and the best remix and arrangement. So our first contender in best remix and arrangement, we're going to have two um, contenders in each category, is um, comes from Final Fantasy VII, and it is the Aerith and Tifa medley, and it's a vocal cover by Andrew and Julian Aversa featuring Aralee Brighton. And here it is. Thank you. 
So, you're a bit of a fan of Final Fantasy um, music, particularly Final Fantasy VII. We've spoken about it on the show. What did you think? Uh, <clears throat> well, production-wise, I think the voices are great. Mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, an interesting remix. Uh, I liked how... Um, the combination and arrangement of both Tifa's and Aretha's themes work very well together. You know, it's maybe a slightly cheesy when you kind mm-hmm. of put it to voice because <laughs> it's, it's interesting. No, but it's interesting because when you hear the melody played by an instrument, it's it's a different vibe to when you hear it being sung by voice. Sometimes it is, yeah. a voice it's with words can make it a little bit cheesy and a little bit comedic and just kind of take you out of the intention of the melody does okay. that make sense yeah. for me but but it still worked well and i think it, it for me it definitely kind of aligned with the earlier version of final fantasy it has this sort of 90s vibe yeah it's sort of 90s ballad sense you know mm-hmm. and perhaps they were going for have you heard have you ever seen the final fantasy spirits within um oh, i haven't completely, it's it's not part of the Final Fantasy franchise at all, right. um, which <laughs> I know. Why have a yeah. film <laughs> that's named Final Fantasy, but it's not part of the Final Fantasy franchise? But anyway, it was actually when it first came, it was the first CGI film, sort of realistic. Oh, I remember uh, the trailers for it when it came out, actually. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen bits of it. It's actually pretty cool. But at the end, there's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm called the dream within and the soundtrack the soundtrack is composed by elliot goldenthrall and Ah. he composed this song sung by lara fabian and here's a little uh, clip of it Escapes from heaven and worlds end. Breathe the dream within the mist of. They were kind of going for that vibe, albeit mm. this one, Elliot Golden Trolls, I feel is much more epic. It has this, it's much more dramatic and beautiful song. The one thing that kind of really, like, as I mentioned earlier, the production is great, for the voices is great, it's very well balanced and it stands out, but there's a slight little annoying thing that it's in the, in the production that really annoys me. Is okay. They have this, like, electronic drums in the background that's almost inaudible mm-hmm. and might as well have not been there as it doesn't add any it doesn't add enough layer to drive uh, the track it's just annoying it's yeah and not many people i don't know whether uh, that you noticed it or not not but particularly like, no but well for me i just feel that's why I me mean. it just feels a bit like if you're going to have drums you either amplify them mm. in the different sections of the song to kind of drive the motion or just don't have anything there because for me it, it was just too it was like a weird sort of clunky clickety thing yeah, that was just in the in the way for me. So that's my only sort of negative. It was nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, 
Yeah. You? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't think I noticed the drum thing. Not specifically. It's certainly not something I noted down. But um, apart from I that, think for, for I, me, it's from, it's more from the production side. Yeah. I just feel a bit like, what the hell? Why? What's the point? For sure. Um, but in general, I agree with everything you just said there. I mean, I'm, for, mainly for me, like I find it maybe a little bit earnest, but at the same time, as you say, it does kind of fit that very '90s style, particularly with the video that they did for it, which obviously is mm. using sort of um, production stuff from the game, but also has that very sort of um, mid '90s MTV music video "Kiss from a Rose" um, kind of yeah. a, a vibe to it as well. Um, I kind of like it, so that was kind of cool. But yeah, I, I do agree. But uh, and I think like a lot of the time. Um, so the, the remix thing is actually becoming quite a big deal. Obviously, there's a lot of YouTube channels and sort of musicians doing covers of game music, old and new, these days. Um, so it's quite a scene in its own right. And as we've said, like, there's also a lot of, like, game music concerts and stuff now. And sometimes it'll be something quite serious, like um, what we were talking about last year with the sort of, um, well, it was probably two years ago now, actually, the... Final Fantasy and Zelda at the Royal Albert Hall and that kind of thing. Mm. But then, but there's also just lots of like smaller bands and groups doing mm. music from games because people like it. You know, it's it's, it's as popular mm. as any other song. So we are getting a lot of these. And look, I think honestly, most of the time it comes down to how much did you like the original and to what extent does it capture that feeling. Um, I don't hold particular reverence for Final Fantasy music. It's not a, a game that I've played much of. I've been meaning actually to play the remastered version. Um, I, I really actually should get into that soon, but I just haven't. So I, it's not like it's a huge part of my childhood that's being welled up. Um, mm. Did you have played it? Um, did it bring back warm, fuzzy memories for you? Or were you just like, yeah, nice. I'll give them credit that it they seem to have a lot of fun mm-hmm. with it. And I wouldn't want to take that away from them. You know, it's a yeah. good cover. You know, when it's a, it's a lifelong project for some people and yeah. they just want to get it out there and just, you know, which that's why. So I kind of want to give them credit for that and just not take that away. Yeah. So, in t- I mean, I have my own sort of feelings towards Final Fantasy soundtrack um, that they may have not necessarily evoked that nostalgia in me. Okay, but... well, that's the thing that's missing then. Because if they were, if they had, then that would have probably made it really click for you. I think it's it's more of a like they 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 did the, all the right things. It's just that I would have not done it in the nineties. That's yeah. just not my. I'm I'm way beyond. I've. Oh God, I kind of. I don't want to. I, I was about to say like I'm. I'm too old for the nineties. <laughs> Uh, no, but then, like, I've evolved, like, past. Right. Like, there's some... But yeah, at the same I time, think... you're at the right age for Final Fantasy VII. In fact, if anything, you're at the young end of being at the right age of Final Fantasy VII. So this is a problem for the core audience of this, I feel. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just, like, it, it all depends whether you can appreciate the fun aspect of it or whether you want it to be more on the serious side. I agree, but that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> And it sounds like for you, it didn't quite click. So that's No, but fine. I didn't. But at the same time, I would have not appreciated they tried to take it the series through. I actually, the fact that it was more cosplay and them mm-hmm. just having fun, I'm like, 
Yeah, I okay. mean, they they take all they took they ticked all the right boxes in musically. Uh huh. It's just the energy aspect of it or the execution wasn't to my taste, but that doesn't mean that they got it wrong. No, that's what I always say. I'm just you I'm know. purely asking how it clicked for you. That's all. Cool. It's okay. Let's move on to its uh, contender, the Monkey Island theme arrangement by The Game Brass. And here we go. Now, this is kind of the opposite in the sense that, like, this is my childhood (laughs) because, like, I loved, I absolutely adored this game. This was the first game I ever got on (laughs) CD-ROM, like, way back in the 90s. Um, And I just adored the game and particularly adored the music, 
when I first got a phone, now I'm going to sound like so old. When I first got a phone that had a ringtone, um, I made sure that I bought a phone that allowed you to like sort of uh, like upload your own ringtone to it so that I could specifically have the Monkey Island theme as my ringtone. It has been my ringtone for as long as I have had phones with ringtones. Like, You're I so ge- cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're so retro. I'm so not cool, is is I believe what you were trying to say there. But I I truly, truly love this piece of music. Like it's just so fun. There's just some there's some magic about it. It is for mine, it is hands down the best game theme that there has ever been. Like I acknowledge that there are other amazing ones, but for me personally, this is the one that is just like this is fun. Um and sort of the reason why I was asking you these very unfair probing questions of a couple of minutes ago was because for me this track is perfect in that it captures everything about the original that you that I would want to see captured like it it starts off actually being very faithful to the original um obviously like the original for this like 1991 or something like it's pretty shitty midi instruments um that barely resemble what they're meant to be but when they've done uh, as the game series went on they were able to actually have instruments play them and like the mix of the flute and the steel drum and the violin like that's exactly how the theme is usually played they 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 stick to that traditional instrumentation but then they go into like the full brass band thing and it's like it's it's very mariachi it's very latin it's very silly and it's over the top and that's exactly the right tone and spirit for it and it's just wild and fun and like I would be there all day for a concert of a band playing um, like Monkey Island and similar tracks in in this sort of a silly style. In fact, it it encouraged me to listen to the whole album, um, which is yeah, which is very fun. The the album actually is mainly um, like because uh, this comes from an album of um, tropical based game themes, but it is mainly things like themes from um, Mario Kart and, and things like that. So it is actually probably more from the Japanese side of things rather than the American. But I, look, I, I, I properly, properly adore this. Um, how did you find it? Had you ever heard the theme before? Had you played the Monkey Island games? Well, I've learned something new about you today. So that's <laughs> <laughs> how much you love this thing. So mm-hmm. now I know that if I ever want to get you in a good mood, I'll just play that thing for that's you. That's it. It's, it's the best. <laughs> it's, it's good time music. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, no, I've never played the game. I've never really heard of it at all. So for me... You should play the remastered in... versions of Monkey Island. Anyone out there who has never played Monkey Island should totally... Like, you can buy them on, like, Steam and most platforms for, like, five bucks now. They did, like, remastered versions of The Secret of Monkey Island and uh, Secret of Monkey Island 2, Curse of the Chuck. And, and those in particular, like, they're just, they're just silly and good fun. Mm. They're point-and-click mm. adventures. Like, they're really easy. Um, but, well, they're easy to play but the puzzles can be quite complicated okay i'll bear that in mind yeah um so for me not knowing anything about particularly necessarily about the game so just by listening to this i did go back and listen to the original as well just to compare Mm -hmm. um for me what i like about this is just fusion yes and i love how well this is my sort of um interpretation Mm -hmm. of the music and the arrangement it feels like it's paying um 
homage to the countries of the Caribbean Sea. So mm-hmm. for me, it sounds like and feels like you're going on this like a circular sonic tour of the Caribbean Sea. You know, it's giving you a taste of each country's flavor, oh, music I like that. genre. Yeah, it, that's what it sounded like. Because, yeah. you know, to begin with, you know, it's um, based on the instruments used and it's like it, it nicely seesaws between from the Caribbean and the Latin undertones. Mm. Like we begin with more reggae layers. Yep with the guitar, reggae guitar riffs, and then it's kind of swaps to a more Latin-esque um, trumpet. The and then, sort of mariachi then, trumpet, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then the marimbas come with some more, and then with some pan flutes that kind of mm-hmm. uh, evoke Venezuela. I'm not going to lie. At first listen, it did feel a little bit jarring for me because like some of the instruments kind of, uh, instruments, they kind of, enter quite abruptly yes that changes the vibe all of a sudden even though they're playing the same Mm. melody over its repetition of the same melody but once you kind of know the context once i kind of then i kind of read up a little bit about monkey island the fact that it was where it was set Mm. i was like oh i appreciated it more yeah exactly and i think that that sort of thing you're noticing of of the like how sort of things come in with a certain amount of shock value to me, as somebody who sort of understands the tone of the game, which like is a, it like it's a very silly game, right? Like it's the sort of thing where it'll be all like pirates and things, and all of a sudden somebody will sort of announce that the um, the prize for the pirate spitting contest is going to be a brand new car. <laughs> like yeah. it, like it's it's very very stupid and non sequitur. So mm. this idea of like stupid sounds like coming in left right and center is is very appropriate and, and it's very playful and it's playful in the same way that the game is playful um mm, mm. which yes i which so it's actually it's really fascinating hearing somebody who was listening to it just as a piece of new music as opposed to like not being able to separate it from the tone the original tone of the game so that's actually yeah that's really entertaining so um i don't have to guess who, <laughs> who you're gonna pick as a winner for no this not event. really <laughs> And I'm going to have to agree with you. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I'd set that one up very much as like game you like, game I like. Um, These were two of like the sort of best regarded covers of last year in general. And it happened to work out that way. But um, I'm I'm very glad that um, you're on my team for that one. (laughs) Yeah. It was a nice surprise. I enjoyed it. Yay! (laughs) Next round, we've got best original song for a game. Yes, and oh my god, have we got some different tracks for this one. So we're going to start off a game called Astro's Playroom. It is by Kenneth Young, and it is called I'm Your GPU. Thank you. 
so to just briefly explain what you just heard, um, Astro's Playroom is like a tech demo that comes with the PS5. So you like you know you load up your PS5, it's just sitting there, and it's basically a tech demo, pretty much to sort of uh, teach you how to use the controller. And as a bit of a like guide to like, it's largely for like, if this was your first console, this, this is how you manipulate it. This is how you move around. This is what you do. And it has a bit of a like kind of history of 25 years of PlayStation gaming. So it also kind of like lets you kind of like catch up on what the expected things are. So it's got like lots of little basic platforming elements and stuff. So it's kind of, it's, it's almost like a sort of meta game tutorial but it's set in this world that is based on the actual literal architecture of the PlayStation. <laughs> so this level is literally a level that is themed around the graphics processing unit or GPU. So you're like meant to be like traveling around this jungle that is built out of the GPU, which as I say, it's all very meta and silly, but it's why you wind up with like these ridiculous um, lyrics like, I synthesize and rasterize immaterial things that I fabricate for you, for you. Yeah, I tessellate and animate <laughs> these dancing sprites and sunlit skies for you. I do it for you. I'm your GPU, which is like, I mean... For... It's just like a generic current pop music. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. So... <laughs> um, but using the like technical surprised. language of, um, of like games graphics processing <laughs> have you heard technologic by Te daft punk which basically uses every single word related to like computer system operating i haven't but yeah fair enough <laughs> it's it's that it's it's that kind of a vibe it's also very um i don't know if you ever played or heard the music from portal but jonathan coulton who did that has a very similar sort of like random geeky sense of humor um with it and i think this is like the sort of Musically, at least, is a, a spiritual successor to Portal. Um, okay, well, I'll just give you an example of the yes, technology of the, of the lyrics. So here it goes. Buy it, use it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, mail it, upgrade it, charge it, point it, zoom it, press it, snap it, work it, quick erase it, write it, cut it, paste it, save it, load it, check it, quick rewrite it. Nice. Pretty much. Nice. It, could go, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, for me, it was pretty catchy it's so catchy i like i heard it once i was like oh my god that's actually genuinely awesome in its own way like it's it's juvenile and silly but yeah. it's very daft punk as well yeah but it's so fun it's it like this kind of was my like late winter novelty song like it was just it was just like perfect it's just like one of those you know you know like the like the stupid summer novelty song is just like oh yeah it's like it's got a fun beat it's got like a just a very yeah. fun silly me melody and the lyrics are completely nonsensical but they're hilarious like yeah. it's just one of those yeah for sure i feel it's once you hear it once you'll you'll get it mm. like and you don't necessarily need to hear it again and aesthetically because obviously I had a look at the game yeah. and the gameplay and stuff, and it definitely works with the game as well. It has this cutesy, playful, energetic, sort of steady robotic pace with that sits well underneath the game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For me, it's, 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 yeah. It's cute. It's cute and simple. Okay. For me. I'm now curious as to what you'll think about a completely different type of original song. Um, for a game, uh, which is The Way of the Ghost from...
from The Ghost of Tsushima by, um, I'm going to assume it's by the main composers of the game, Ilan Ishikari and Shigeru Umabashi, Umabayashi. Mm-hmm. And here it is.
So I really like this. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, I put me, this in as a little treasure for you to enjoy. Oh, thank you. You know me so well. <laughs> um, for me, I feel like it really sets for a powerful emotional journey. Mm-hmm. Not Again, not really knowing what the game is about, but then after reading about it, I felt like this really kind of triggers it so well. You know, how it slowly builds and it wraps you and... It kind of pull, it pulls you into this ancient world. Yeah, and, and um, for a- the benefit of people who maybe haven't done that, like this is a very sort of cinematic um, sort of samurai story that the entire game is in a very like um, Kurosawa style um, cinematically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like there's a lot of emotion in it and it stirs you. And there's definitely a sense of nobility and heroism in the track. Mm-hmm. And as a player, you feel like you're becoming Jin, who is the samurai character in the game. And the other, the one of the composers, Shigeru Onibashi, um, composed this with obviously Ilan, but he wrote House of Flying Daggers, Curse ah. of the Golden Flower. And yep. some other like amazing epic Asian films, as well as a few Western films, like he did a Single Man, which is a beautiful soundtrack. Oh, really? Um, so he has a very rich and melodramatic style of writing, and even though it's a collaboration, I could hear his influence, particularly mm. like just like with the vocals as she soars like right near yeah. the end and then from around three minute and 30 seconds like when the rhythms come in and there's this like melodies intertwining it just reminds me of this particular track in house of flying and daggers called farewell mm-hmm. and i just love it it's just it's very powerful yeah to be I- honest i listen to this track more on repeat than i did the first one because for me yep. the first one i felt like oh i listened to it once i know what it sounds like it's catchy and everything but i wanted to hear this over and over again more because I yeah. felt like it it, gra- it grabbed me more. Mm-hmm. Will you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I kind of regret having put these two together because they're kind of impossible to compare. But yeah, exactly that. And it like it's so atmospheric and powerful and cinematic. Um, so this is actually, and the, one of the reasons why I put this category in here to start with is that this is actually a real trend of the last few years. Um, of games have started to include songs in ways that they kind of didn't before, like actual vocal songs and like really high production value ones, and they're using them in the same way that they're used in cinema and TV shows. Mm -hmm. So in um, Astro's Playroom, we're seeing I'm Your GPU in a very very cartoony way, you know, like so many cartoon um, sort of, you know, Saturday morning cartoon type things are practically musicals at times. Like there's just so many songs thrown in. And this is feels very much like the sort of like powerful poetic um, song that you would get in, as you say, like a, a, a strong sort of Japanese, Chinese, Hong Kong um, f- epic action film um, yeah. f- for like the critical character moment that it'll all happen with this song underneath it um, or over the top of it. And that's that's just a real change in production value for games where they've decided now that this this is the thing that we do this is the thing that we do to create like a big moment and to elevate this game above being just like a piece of i i think games have really been going through a a, a thing of the last five years of trying to elevate themselves above where they used to be 
Um, mm. And we're seeing that a lot, particularly on the sound side, because I think like graphics have always been getting better and always will get better with games. But I think there's been an embracing of the sound and particularly the music side of things to sort of essentially give themselves a bit of class, particularly at the the big end of, of, of town with the games of like, we're going to get real people in and we're going to do some amazing things. So like Red Dead Redemption 2, like the year before last, it had some big songs in it. it um, previous games of that series had had big songs. Um, last year there was a game called, I think, um, Days Gone, which actually had an amazing song by Lewis Capaldi in it, like proper, like, release-worthy song um, by obviously one of the big artists of today. Um, and that's just a thing that happens now. And this is just like a, is a really good example of it. This is just, you would just expect to, to hear this in cinema. Um, mm. And and it would be a and it would be a moment in a film, and it is a moment in the game. Like the entire game feels like it sort of stops for a bit mm-hmm. for this for this song to happen. Mm. Um, and um, we'll talk about another game later on that does a similar thing, actually. Um, so yeah, I I do think it's really beautiful and amazing, and um, I feel you're struggling. Yeah, you're going to go with. Um, the way of the ghost, I assume. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am going to um, go with you on that. I'd like they're both fun. Well, they're not both fun. One is fun, and the other <laughs> no, but is they're um, fun in their own way. Yeah, they're, but they're both like big, big songs in their own way. So I, I'm going to agree with you. I think we'll we'll try and actually have a winner between us in the two. And for me, yeah, they they they're obviously they're so different and they're so close. Um, I definitely did listen to I'm Your GPU more. Because it was just fun and silly, and that's what I needed at the time. But mm. in terms of like, this is the amazing composition, and mm-hmm. in terms of composition and the the originality. Yeah, but also that this is where games are now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to go with the the way of the ghost. So yeah, congratulations, Ilan and Shigeru. Yay! So let's move on to another like huge trend in gaming now, which maybe some people might not be aware of, in which case, where have you been? But okay. And this is going to be the best original song for eSports. So eSports is competitive gaming, in case that's not obvious. And we've got um, tracks from two of the kind of bigger eSport games at the moment. Um... And one of the kind of like trends there has been is that e- there is so much money in esports these days. Like it's like it is really really big business. And games like League of Legends and Honor of Kings and Dota and um, Overwatch and etc. And um, Call of Duty. Like there's just immense amounts of money behind them. And I feel like some one of the trends that's sort of happening now is that they have so much money that they will now invest in these huge events for the actual like championships and, and things, which sort of not only sort of allow them to like rival traditional sport events and sport tournaments in terms of sort of scale and hype and all of those things. But I think it's also a lot of like, cause when you're committing to an, an ease, like a game, that's going to be a competitive game. You, like you really need that game to last. Cause if you're going to spend like two years of your life learning how to get good at, League of Legends. You want to be sure that League of Legends is still big in a couple of years time, right? So, I think part of the this um whole thing is about like creating that sense of scale and size and this is the 
this is the big thing that you want to be a part of because we're serious and committed and we're and we're going to be here for a while. I find it really interesting how how much money game industry game industry has mm. how it's grown and accumulated because back in the 80s and stuff like I was was watching like these like vintage like archive news mm. trying to say like what is this arcade games coming into like into play like you <laughs> know taking our children away from school or attention Sports and, and, yeah, and yeah. stuff yeah and they were kind of dismissing it as just like a phase <laughs> or like a fad like nothing that's going to grow to this huge sort yeah. of huge part of our lives now so i just find it interesting how something that was just so niche and uh, overlooked small yes and that now it's grown to this like global sort yeah. of huge money maker it's big like financially it's been bigger than the film industry and the music industry and the tv industry now for actually a long time it's crazy though yeah it is. I mean, it's great though for, for for people wanting to get into it for like composers because like a game, mm -hmm. the game industry is one of those industries where you have a more sort of permanent position. You can you can land yeah. yourself a more permanent position, like, salaried quite, with a company. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and have that consistency, consistency, and created creative um, control. Yeah, absolutely. But not in this category. This category is all about like artists sort of being bought in, like that, like they would be for like you know, um, halftime of the Super Bowl <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but yeah, but no, you, but you're, you're also 100% right. Um, so we'll start off with a track um, called "Evolve," for that was composed by I, th I think we say Kai Theory, um, which is the sort of um, like. Uh, music name of the American composer Joel Burleson. And this was for the 2020 Honor of Kings World Champion Cup. And here it is. We're no strangers to the fallout. What got us here? Ever changing some chameleon, blood, sweat, and tears. We'll never make it if we fall to everything that brings us down. With a comeback, it's
thoughts? Oh, I love the East Asian reference, which is in line with the setting of the gameplay. Um, mm -hmm. Isn't um, which is the multiplayer online battle game arena game. Mm -hmm. It's epic. You know, it has this epic renditions of pop tracks with that loud, the load of vocal reverbs mixed in with the EDM drums and overall very well produced. You know, it's it's part of that trend and trope of where you get pre-existing tracks that are like an 80s song or like a late uh, early ni a 90s songs and then you re remix them into this more sort of droney mm. sort of epic moody yeah. track basically. and that's what kai theory has built his career out of is yeah. So sort of doing remixes of other, like he started off kind of doing remixes of other people's tracks that might be included on their album, and then he's done like yeah. ads and TV shows and, and things with that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, go and, on, sorry. And there's a track, like it's very empowering. You know, it does follow the standard ABACA -A -A sort of song structure, mm. but it's very catchy. But my question is will mm. this age well? Um, I pr probably not. Does it need to? Well, yeah, I, I, I look at in terms of its longevity mm. as a track and also like, you know, when you have when you create, write a song for a sort of sports spectacle, is it become an anthem? You're right. It's, it's, the, it's the um like the three lines phenomenon. Yeah, where, where it sticks around. Yeah. Yeah. It, does it have the an anthem possibility? That's a really good point, because on one hand, it has that anthemic quality. Like it's got yeah. that big sports anthem sound, but it's also very electronic, which makes it very game. So mm. on one hand, you feel like, yeah, this is perfect. But yeah, you're right. Like on the other hand, like when this is done well, it's it's like, I mean, here in England, Three Lions, which I think Badil and Skinner wrote for like Euro 96, but it's still played because it's still cool. Mm. Well, not cool, but like it still works and it's mm. st it still feels like an anthem that people can really respond to. And you're mm. right. I don't think that this is going to have that effect. I think um, it's going to be just a single tournament kind of a thing and then it will kind of go away. Yeah. It's going to go away as the trend will fade away as well. Yeah. Interesting. But I, I, I'm not to say I was singing this. Like, I, yeah. it's very catchy. <laughs> I was humming to it and everything. Yeah, I really enjoyed this song. So it does give a thumbs up from me. Yeah. It's just it's uh, longevity wise, probably not. Mm. And mm -hmm. I think for a good sort of arena sport track. You want that. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least, yeah, you want to feel that. It, it, you know, in 10 years' time, I might hear it to then be brought back. That, oh, I remember when it came out back in 2020. Yeah, I remember that tournament. That was really fun. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Whereas, yeah, when you hear like it's a lot of like the old World Cup um, songs, like say the um, the Ricky Martin from the 98 World Cup, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember the summer of 98. Like, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. All right, so we'll move on to the next one. Uh, this one's another fascinating track. It's called More by kda k slash da um and this was for the for league of legends kda should we show them how we do it every day Kali go girl, Kali gon' stop, Kali gon' skirt, Kali got a job, Kali got a word, they go 
와 언제나 돈게 burn 넘 차할라말 되나 봐왜 죽여주잖아 like a rope 누가 감히 on my house 건문 열지 마 that's a rock day 한겹안 유물 cause I'm better than 필요 없는 시험들 다 뿐임해 봐 all of my numbers are talking back 부르마 on message 마나홀리 넌 종이 돈이 나 불머니 필요 없대 너네들이 맞는 돈을 거 get it 거 get it 거 get it 더 미션 눈을 못해 모든 그래 너도 get it 그 사과를 death run Interesting. It's a virtual K-pop band. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, when I first saw the video, I thought like, oh, it's probably a, K- a K-pop band that ha- had, uh, what's the word? They had like digital avatars made of them kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, no, I they're thought... actual League of Legends characters. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, oh, oh, this is interesting. It's and I so like interesting. That. Yeah. It's so cool. The so, vid- uh... like, you have to watch the video. Like, yeah, you, like yeah. the video is, is something you it's surprising the video is surprising in how high the production values are and how well it is done it's so yeah so kda is a creation of riot games who is the company that made league of legends it's made using four of the characters and they're voiced by four different artists so you've got two americans and two korean singers so you've got madison beer and gyra burns and then actual k-pop singers from the group i don't really know how to say it but G.I. Idol, and it's Myun and Seon. Um, and so they're put together. Each of them is given one of these League of Legends characters, and they sing and they dance and they do that. They've, they've done this four times now, so they've made this group and they've done four tracks. 
The first track, which was Pop Slash Stars or Pop Stars, had over 400 million views and topped the Billboard World sales chart. This one's currently sitting at about 89 million views and I would suggest you add a few to that because it it's really worth it. It's a proper K-pop track. And I think that's the main thing I just like came away from it of like this is just a proper banger. Like it's a proper it's a proper song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this track has a clear set identity that yeah. resonates with a very with a much wider audience in this current climate and yeah. it has like I wouldn't say so for me, my sort of review of it is that yeah. it will go down more with the kids, the teenagers, as well as adults. And mm-hmm. this type of song has the versatility and opportunities for more visibility where it can be played in clubs, used as a backing track for like yeah. commercial hip hop dance choreography classes, as well as be played at home. Mm. Because this reminds it, this... me of those 90s movie tracks, right? That came out with the mm. movie and then would be on MTV and you would then hear generally. Like, it's, yeah. it has that vibe. Oh, sorry, I'm disagreeing with you. Go on. <laughs> I mean, this K-pop genre has actually been around for quite a while now. Mm. And this just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like the K-pop, J-pop sort of trend. Yeah. Is That's a multi-million, multi-billion probably even, yeah. in, uh, like, industry, you know, whereby you've got famous... Um, I think it's BTS, their Korean yes. band. Yep. And so I'm surprised that like that the West doesn't know m- much enough about them. They should be like broadcasted to the whole world to be like they're the number one yeah. like, selling artist, selling band of like in the world. But yet we're still being kind of told that there's people, I don't know, I, to be honest, I'm so out of touch with the current market nowadays that I, um, who's the latest one? Who's like the number one yeah, currently? Yeah, I think that Katie is... Katy Perry, or is it like... Oh, I, think that's a, I, think that's, I think that's aging you. Um, I, I, <laughs> no, no, but do you know what I mean? Like, we've yeah, been yeah, yeah. told that these other people are the number one of the world, when actually, yes. no, these guys are. Yeah. And their music is amazing. Listen to them. Following. Yeah, I agree. I think so. I think what you're describing, actually, I I think that's a bit of an issue with music at the moment, generally. Of like, on one hand, you've got music on YouTube and Spotify, right? And that's how most people, particularly like younger people, who are always the driving force of music, are are finding music now. So I've got a feeling that actually, amongst what would be the normal, you know, teen girl, teen boy audience, that actually, yeah, K-pop kind of is king and k-pop is winning but in terms of like western music journalists and stuff because they're still looking at music coming through the more traditional channels they're maybe not really observing or commenting on reality as much as perhaps they used to i think it's become really segregated music used to arrive through a couple of channels and you could as a journalist or whatever you could cover that quite well whereas now it's just it's everywhere and it's coming from all over the place and like um, so we live in a world where like Marshmallow, for instance, um, who is probably one of the bigger people around, although I think even he's like two years old now, you know, um, like he was doing stuff in Fortnite where he had like character skins and songs in Fortnite and stuff. And and I think that like th- those are very real channels for musicians to reach that core teen audience now, but mm. not, but you would never hear about that in Krang or whatever, you know, like the, mm. the normal places that that are meant to give validation to music are not even aware that 
these groups are huge in these places. And I think that's exactly the case here. I mean, Madison Beer is a genuinely big artist, but you wouldn't know it in the normal discourse around the place. Um, and yeah, like BTS is is as big as it gets. Um, probably bigger than like The Weeknd or, pe- or Anne-Marie or, or people like that. But but yeah, the, the, the conversation is, is all over the place. But at least they have KDA to um, give them the happy vibes because this is yeah. a genuinely, genuinely fun song. And I'm going to vote for it. I like. I just listened to it. I was like, "That's a damn fine pop song. That's, that that is the quality of pop song that like every now and then I'll like turn on the music channels and stuff because I just I just want to listen to some happy right or or you go to like the you know latest hits kind of thing on um, Spotify or whatever, and they're just this is the fun that I'm missing, <laughs> and this was exactly the sort of track that I was after. So I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I'm going for it as well. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and seriously if you haven't seen it go and watch the video we'll link it we'll link the video because it is we'll link epic. both it's videos but epic. this video in particular is epic it's so amazing and what's great about it is like when you watch it because there's four characters yeah it's nice that you can kind of align yourself with which one that it's like prefer. a proper girl group yeah like yeah. <laughs> you should be, and who's, obviously... your, who's your baby spies or who's your sports sporty spies yeah, yeah it exactly. has that sort of like spice girls all saints sort of mm-hmm. like traditional girl band where you know each one has its own identity and their characteristics and what they're good at and stuff and you kind of depending on what your personality is like it's nice that you can be like oh yeah I like her I'm like her (laughs) but unlike the Spice Girls because they're actual League of Legends players you can then play as that character in game because they they just are a character from the game already like it's not even like they have to be manufactured into it like some cheesy 90s thing I'm curious Um, to be honest, I I haven't played League of Legends, so I'm not sure exactly what they are. But the, no, no, the one but that I keeps mean, striking out, the, four. the one that keeps um sort of striking out is probably I think the main singer of that one, which is the blonde, um, the blonde one with the, the pigtails. Um, uh, the blonde with the with the uh, the foxtail. Yes, that one. Oh, okay. See, I'm the one with the nails. Oh, and the, nice. Like the spider and uh, not the, mm. the snake eyes. I can see that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it like it a lot (laughs) so let's move on to what feels like it should probably be the main uh, (laughs) category Uh, we're going to do it fourth for no particularly good reason which is best main theme and we're going to start with the theme for the game Empire of Sin and it is by Tommy Buckley you better watch your back down Chicago way But if you're looking for a good time, baby Ain't no better place We got bootleg liquor Fancies galore All the best casinos, baby What more could you ask for? Power you say I guess that we could get you some All depends Plan on taking it from Got the likes of Jaime Vice Scarface Al Capone They're all vying for it Dying for it And they ain't alone So if you think you got what it takes To be a big shot racketeer And put your money where your mouth is honey You better have no fear Cause it's a doggy dog world baby Nobody ever really 
this cabaret, speakeasy, underworld vibe, you know. That's all I that's, have. Uh, that's all you, okay. Well, look, that, I mean, and that's, I, maybe I'll lead off because I can give a bit more context here. So for me, for a main theme, um, what you're looking for, um, a bit less, a bit like what I was saying with the Monkey Island theme earlier, is I, I want to see a theme that really like brings you into the world of the game because the main theme is like it's usually the first thing you hear, and it's and like a lot of a game is about. Um, the escapism, but also the immersion in the world because you're, like, interacting with it. Like, you're actually there and you're actually doing stuff, right? And so this is a game. It's a sort of um, strategy, mostly turn-based, um, sort of XCOM-like game, but it's set in, yeah, 20s Prohibition Chicago, probably 30s Chicago, I guess, maybe. Um, and... You know, it's meant to sort of, like, get you into that world. And I had seen so many Mafia games lately that just sort of, like, do this really just kind of, like, heavy orchestral soundtrack. They don't even go into full Godfather, which surprises me, to be honest. Um, but they just sort of, like, do this very generic, heavy soundtrack. But this one was just felt so perfect and alive. It was, like, it, it, it brings the fun and the glamour of what, you want like if if you've decided that you want to be a mafioso in like um, prohibition chicago this is the fun that you're wanting to engage in this, this yeah the, the, this cabaret um splashy f underworld vibe is is what you're after obviously it has some very dark seedy bits off to the side but you know that's not what you're really into like you just want to have fun with it and I really like the sense of fun it brings to the the concept. Not you know bring light to the issues or whatever, but like just the it, it's the fantasy. Like it actually, I feel like this song actually perfectly captures the fantasy of what you want that moment to be. And it talks about Al Capone and and the speakeasies and all of those sorts of things. And it just I don't know, it just has this this good like vibe in this sort of like authentic -y, or semi authentic Chicago style jazz track. Um, and yeah, it just it it makes it fun, and and it makes it engaging. And it this was a track that I listened to. I was like, oh, I should check out this game. Like this game actually sounds like it could be fun. It, it rather than just being like, oh, that's high production values. I guess they've spent a lot of money. It was more like, oh yeah, if that's what they've done, that's probably going to be fun. So now let's play our other best main theme, which is the theme to Little Orpheus by Jim Fowler and Jessica Curry. listen it's just reminiscent of the russian greats right yes like tchaikovsky stravinsky's earlier work you know just the tone colors and it's so expressive and it's just it's it's quite i don't want to say joyful but it's very upbeat and it's just colorful yeah and it is meant to be russian because it is set with sort of like russian cosmonaut theme yeah what did you think so one of the first reasons why i really wanted to include this is because I wanted to include Jess Curry because Jess Curry is amazing. 
um she's oh pro- and there i thought it's because i'm russian that you wanted to include this track. <laughs> no 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 that was just a bonus um so jessica curry she's an english composer um she's part of actually a trend which i really like which is that the gender balance in game composition it's like it's it's far from perfect but it is so much better than film and tv mm, um mm. A, f- a number of the best um composers in games including at least two that we're talking about today are women and mm-hmm. she is amazing. She was very, very successful a few years ago, actually, with Jim Fowler. So Jim Fowler is mainly her orchestrator. Um, I think on this one they kind of shared composition duties a bit more. But usually he's an orchestrator. He's actually orchestrated, like, a lot of um, pretty big games around the place. Um, but she shot to prominence with a game called Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, um, which mm-hmm. was... Kind of like it was kind of a nothing game. It's it's what we call a, a walking simulator, where basically you don't really get to interact much. You just like walk through, and a story happens around you. But the music was this beautiful like English choral music, and it won like BAFTAs and things. It was one of these real like kind of crossover breakout hits of a yeah. soundtrack. And she like she is properly phenomenal. So I, and this soundtrack is also properly phenomenal like it's a really it's a really different style as you say it's very authentic kind of russian style but 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 modernized it it does it's weird in a way in that it makes it feel very like um appropriate to a more sort of like space race 60s kind of a sound and yet as you say it's far more like the russian greats like tchaikovsky than it is shostakovich which would actually be closer to the right era (laughs) um so that's kind of fun in itself but uh, but it's a very interesting line that they've both managed to tread in terms of of the composition being very sort of woodwind based and all of those sorts of things um but again it's delightful and fun the game Mm. has a very comic book look and energy and the music perfectly captures that um so i i think it's yeah i agree with you i think it's excellent but which one would you prefer? Because you seem to be very optimistic and for Empire of Sin. Yeah. And that it almost made you want to buy the like, game. Size it for the game. Yes. Whereas Little Office, it didn't have that effect. Little Office, I'm like, oh my God, that's great music. And great opportunity to talk about Jess Curry, who is phenomenal. Um, but nothing about it made me go, I really do want to play that game, which is weird because I don't know why. Um, I really don't it, know why. Is it because it didn't have lyrics? So you can kind of I, tell you what you need to do. Maybe the Empire of Sense subliminally kind of was giving you these messages to buy the game. Buy the <laughs> <Maybe>. game. <laughs> I think I think lyrics do help these days. Um, as you I think say, so? the song the song the song is beginning to come through as a real advertising thing these mm. days. Like there's a lot of like um hype trailers and stuff like that now which do have songs and which are great in terms of being able to uh, literally give voice to the characters of the game so i've seen a number of games in probably the last three or four years where there's been a song essentially by one of the main characters um which and i think it kind of adds to my theory that there's subliminal messages in those maybe. lyrics telling people to buy my game buy this game maybe but i think it's more like it just gives you a bit more emotional investment sometimes yeah, oh, that too of course but i would have thought that this would be an exception there's actually a game we'll talk about later on um well i'll mention it now so you know when we talk about spider later on mm, it mm. doesn't have lyrics but it had that same effect of emperor i've seen it just feels so fun and you just want to play it um, I don't know what it is because I love 
you know, you know me. I, I love this Russian style as much as you do, um, despite the genetic predisposition you have. Um, I, but I, I just, I just can't quite put my finger on it. So I guess I, I am leaning towards Empire of Sin, and I assume you're leaving, you're leaning heavily towards Little Orpheus. Yeah. Um, so how do we resolve this? We don't. Um, you, we st- don't. you stick in your corner. I'm going to stick in mine. All right. We'll call. We'll call that one. We'll call that one a draw. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to a fascinating category, which I'm, I'm just calling most unique. So in this one, I want us to sort of emphasize the idea of kind of world building in games, of trying to create that very unique brand and sound, something that's sort of like the moment you hear it, you go, ah, that it's it, that's from that game because nothing else could ever have sounded quite like that. Um, or which when you're in the game, you're just like, yeah, this is different. This is not the same as everything else that I've played. So let's start off with, um, the work with a piece by what is, I look, I'll, I'll just accept right now is my favorite composer working in games at the moment from Austin Wintry. I tend to, I seem to love his best work every year. And this is a track called None Have Returned from the game, The Pathless, composition by Austin Wintry. So I'll just geek out about Austin for a start and then I'll let you run. So 
as I say, I, I think he's the most extraordinary composer working games today. He's a real kind of like darling of the indie scene. Um, he started off, I think his first game was actually a game called Flow, which is like sort of, like, um, it was somebody's PhD project, I think, but it sort of like was this like um, sort of viral hit on, I think, the PlayStation. And then he did Journey and then Absu. He did the music for the Banner Saga. And he's also done a few bigger things. He did, I think, I think, I think he did the soundtrack for Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Um, and he's just, he's very versatile, interesting, modern composer. He's one of these people who has a very good social media presence where he talks about what he does. Um, and he's really good at, um, collaborations. I think practically every one of his scores these days, um, works with the sort of like very much the darling of this sort of genre, um, Tina Guo, the cellist. Um, he also is prone to sort of working with like, um, sort of people who are sort of in the sort of, I don't know what we call it, like the sort of game allied music industry. So in the, in the remix and cover section. So for um, the Banner Saga, he worked with uh, Taylor Davis, who's a girl who does um, like violin covers of, you know, like music from Skyrim and that kind of thing. And Maluka, who does the same thing, but singing. Um, so he's, he's sort of, he's very sort of like, I don't know, he's, he's kind of like in it. Like he's very, he's probably one of the first generations of like game composers that really gives the impression of being not just a gamer, but being like in the fan culture of games as well. So he, he just manages to tie the whole world together beautifully. Um, in this case, he's working with um, Tuvan Throat Singers from Mongolia and instrumentalists from the Alash Ensemble along with a, a nickel harpist from, um, actually, I think he might be might be a Scottish nickel harpist, but the nickel harp obviously being a Scandinavian instrument and an oud player, a Turkish oud player. Um, and it just it gives us this extraordinary and just sort of like ancient sounding but also kind of unique score, which I, I would say is actually a bit of his specialty because it's very much what he did in the Banner Saga as well. Um, your thoughts? Well, yeah, you mentioned the two von Throat Singers, and mm. I like this track a lot um, because the use of the ethnic um, musicians mm. and the instrumentation the arrangement it's a it's an interesting blend of Asian music but you can't really pinpoint the location of it yeah he makes so it very it has, general yeah yeah but which is good because you know every you know it's universal in that sense but all, at the same time it gives an otherworldly kind of yeah. quality to it um, it in comparison to the other track, I'll just say that for me it has more of a stronger identity. Okay. And in terms of the fact that it's, I like the fact that the game is it's a female character mm -hmm. that is the main player that you play, who is a hunter with a bow and arrow, and you know it kind of has the sort of empowerment vibe, and it's just, it's an interesting journey music as well. Mm. So. No, no, I like it. I, I do find it's it's much more unique in comparison to, to the second oh, yeah, we're going to yeah. be discussing. We, we do need to give it its chance as well. No, I um, know we will. I've done it. I've got my notes for it as well. Okay. I'm not completely like yes. downplaying. I'm not completely dismissing it. But in comparison, I just feel like it's so nice and refreshing to hear mm. um, Tovan throat singing. Yeah. Because you don't hear it in game music. You don't really hear it so much. In no, although I think it's beginning to emerge a little bit now, but yeah, but absolutely. The thing I really like about um, Austin in general, because uh, you know me, I'm not a huge fan of just like throwing in exotic instruments for the sake of it and exotic sounds no, for the sake of it. No. What? Yeah, <laughs> we've had that argument. Mm -hmm. um, what I like about him is that he's more... Uh, 
No, he's more of a collaborator than anything. Yeah. Like, it's not like he will write something on this instrument that he doesn't understand. He will work with people who play it. And it's well, more isn't about... That what you're so, isn't that what you're supposed to do? I mean, I would think it's I very... I would say ego- so. Yeah, I would find it very egotistical if you do get people who you do get composers who just think, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to make a very sort of um, Asian sounding melody and then just force somebody to do it without actually speaking to them. Like, is this the right phrasing? Is this the right time? How would you play it if you're not having these conversations? I think that's what a lot of people do, especially now that people use samples, to be honest, because you don't mm -hmm. have to. You don't actually ever have to talk Mm -hmm. to the person. Um, but I love the fact that he very much gives the impression of he collaborates. He lets them bring a lot to the party, that he sees a lot of his role as a composer mm. of sort of managing all of these sounds together into a cohesive whole rather than imposing his will onto them, I, I, I feel. Um, and, you know, you can read and see a lot of him talking about things, so I don't have to, like, necessarily um, base that entirely on feel. Like, mm. that's what he says. Um so yeah, that that's something I really I really like about it, and it does mean that you then get this, um, obviously like cohesive. you know, yeah, cohesive yeah. sound, and obviously I can't speak to the authenticity of the throat singing <laughs> or the nickel harper. Um, I'm no authority on them, but oh it, no, but it, it generally is because I watched a video of him um, making the mm. music, and you you got to see the orchestra and everything. So no, he is using yeah, exactly um, genuine, um, authentic people from. Mongolia and stuff. Yeah, so. but yeah, it, but it means that when it comes together, you do get this sort of very um, interesting true. and true and exotic sound because it it's it's just got all of that history into it. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to the other track, which I also think is pretty darn remarkable, and this is um, from Metamorphosis, and I don't know. We'll just play some of the music from Metamorphosis. Um, And this is by Mikolaj Stronsky and Gary Skyman. So look, I will, I will start this one off because I will admit that probably others won't be as drawn to this sound as I am. Um, personally, growing up as a composer, 
um, my first composition teacher was sort of obsessed with the, what do they call them? The second Viennese school of Schoenberg, Berg and Webern, um, which is this sort of like mid 20th century serialist, um, composition school, obviously in Vienna, um, that was sort of broken up by the second world war, sadly. Um, and this in particular is a very Schoenberg and Berg sound. So the singing that you heard there is a, a style called Sprechstammer, which is speak singing. Um, and it's over the top of this very sort of serial, I suspect there's probably quite a bit of 12 tone serial composition there. And then also a lot of Bernard Herrmann. So like, this is pushing a lot of buttons for me. <laughs> it's a lot of like mid 20th century sounds that I just happen to really love. And I never, ever thought I would hear in a game. To be honest, I would have absolutely expected to hear Tuvan throat singing before I heard Sprechstammer <laughs> in a video game. Like, Sprechstammer is weird. It's something that, like, these guys did. Um, obviously, it, um, it does have its roots in some operatic singing styles, but they did this very deliberate sound. And outside of the two or three operas that those guys wrote... Um, it's not done anywhere else. It, it's like, it's, it's something that sort of like music went down the idea of and thought this was a cool idea and then stopped and then completely left alone. So to bring it back is balmy and it's all, but it's so perfect in this like Kafka based game about like bureaucracy and cockroaches. Um, it's. The, the thing I love about this style is that it is so unsettling and disquieting. Like it's just it, like you're always on edge because it never feels grounded. And it, I don't know, it's, it's so distinct. And I, I really, as I say, I just, I never expected that anyone would be able to find an excuse to put into a game soundtrack. Now I'm totally going to try and fit it into a game soundtrack where it's not, where it doesn't belong just for shock value. It, there's just something, something kind of magical about it. And I'm just going to live in this moment for a moment. Cause I know you're about to trash it. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> Go on. I'm not, no, I'm not going to trash it. I agree with you with everything that you said. Mm-hmm. I for me the only thing is that it's the first the beginnings of it just reminded me so much of Batman Danny Elfman. Okay. Okay. Which is sure. which is the Bernard, the Bernard Herman re reference. reference. Yep. Yeah. There's also totally like a complete rip off of the Vertigo harp in one of the in, in at one point um, the mm. dominant seventh um, Vertigo harp. Sorry, yes, go on. And yes, the vocal is very creepy, and just as the phrasing of the melody and the syllables made just made it sound like it's almost reverse. It's um, a, it's such a unique sound. It's so like it's it's probably rarer than throat singing. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt this is a little bit too like I've heard references of this music many times before so i find it mm. interesting how obviously for you it kind of give you a revival a i've lot. never heard I, I so i agree with what you're saying in that like so 12 tone stuff is used a lot in suspense um writing in general and obviously bernard herman is referenced heavily a lot but i'd never heard this level of faithfulness of that schoenberg sound before particularly the, the singing I don't, but i as a listener wouldn't know that no exactly yeah so i'm so registering if, that whereas 
perhaps most people don't and i'll no and i think for a wider audience it would get lost which is a shame you know because everything (laughs) no but i i do everything that you've just said gave a background behind it i think it's very valuable valuable and i hope that our listeners are gonna learn something from it so i wish that i had that context before i listened to this to appreciate Mm. it more because on first listen i felt like it just reminded that it it's it's the sort of piece of music that i love listening to but (laughs) it just feels like i've heard it before and i just felt like yeah it wasn't for me as unique as the pathless okay for me but yeah yeah the one thing I'll say for anyone out there who actually thought that that was really cool, you should listen to the Lulu Suite by Berg. So the Lulu Suite, I don't think he ever managed to finish the opera because he died very young, tragically. Um, but it is a, it was meant to be an opera based on Jack the Ripper. So it's all set in London, but it, it's it's truly amazing. It's like a 20, 30 minute work, sit down on a, nice day because it's kind of spooky and just have a good listen uh, is this another draw then <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it <laughs> we'll give it look we'll give it to we'll give it to austin wintry because no, you know i always about, wanted going for him but no but how about like i would award it to metamorphosis based on the background and information oh. and the context that you've given yeah you know, but on first listen yep the pathless all right so let's finish off strong with most fun and we're going to start off with another track by uh, one of the great women of game music winifred phillips who's seriously phenomenal um she's known for the original god of war game she's been heavily involved in i think uh, in most of, i don't think she was in the first little big planet game but little big planet 2 little big planet 3 sackboy's adventure she did um she also did an assassin's creed assassin's creed liberation and this is her take on modern spy music as enjoyed by an actual spider and the game is spider spelt with a y with a y little trick there
I think this is brilliant. It's fun, isn't it? So much fun. It's funky. It's groovy. It's upbeat. It has a lot of character and, you know, it's progressive. I like the 60s, 70s references. And Mm -hmm. I like how it's consistent in its style all throughout. Like, even when it's kind of like more quiet or or a little bit subdued moments. And then when it's very, then it's more fast paced and it's fun. Uh, I I should say that um, Spider is very much about like this little robotic spider that's running around, like pulling out wires and things and rewiring stuff. Ella is putting her sound back together because her cat decided to pretend to be the spider and start pulling out wires. Damn you, cat. (laughs) Her little kitty raven. As I was saying, it's fun. It's a parody of spy music, but it's not scary spy music. Like, the ten- no. it's tension It's driven. cartoon spy music. Yeah, um, but it still has a sort of dramatic edge to it. Like, it's mm-hmm. almost a... Like, it's just... Yeah, it makes you think of The Incredibles. Yes, The Incredibles yeah. or Despicable Me or Kim Possible or something. Like it's, yeah, it has this very, like, Disney spy kid movie It's vibe. childlike in some yeah. sense. Yeah. What did you think? Exactly that. Like, it's just so, it's so much fun. Like, for me, like this is sort of what I've been sort of saying about main themes all the way along of like this is one of those tracks like it, it it gets you smiling before you even know what the controls are right like you've loaded up and you're already having a good time um, and you're already completely in the spirit of the game you haven't even started playing you're just like yep yeah, I'm here for this this is great let's do it that's all you want and it does it in the most fun ways possible like it's just and I guess, and also just pure composition. Like there's no lyrics, there's no words, there's no wordplay, there's no silliness. It's like, it's literally just the strength of her composition that creates that mood. Mm. And that is, I mean, that that's the goal, right? Like that's what that's what we're here for. Mm. <laughs> and, she's, and she's just nailed it. So we'll move on to Hades. Uh, <laughs> we'll just move on to Hades. So this is a game by Supergiant and the composer who is their composer for all of their games is Darren Korb, who has built actually quite a bit of a reputation writing for them, bit of an indie rep, particularly his score for Bastion for people who may be playing at home. Let's play Good Riddance mm-hmm. from Hades. <laughs> you've seen this um darren describes his uh score as 
Mediterranean prog rock Halloween. <laughs> I mean, that's what I have in my notes. It's basically like a Grecian fusion with yeah. rock. Yeah, it's a bit folky, a bit metal, a bit rock. It's 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 It fits cool. perfectly for the setting of the underworld. Although it's a bit yeah. of a cliche because rock music is always kind of used to kind of mm. emulate the underworld or anything dark and scary. You're right. It's been done a lot now, hasn't it? Yeah. It's a little bit, tro- it's a bit trope, tropey. Interesting. The Good Riddance song, which in the gameplay yeah. is sung by Eurydice, who was Eurydice. The, Eurydice, yeah. sorry, who is the wife of Orpheus, who tried yeah. to bring her back from the dead with his enchanting music. So, as a piece, it too has a very soothing, hypnotic sort of quality, and it does put you in a state of where you know you can listen to it over and over again, and it's just. Yeah, I've heard like multiple people describe how they sort of get to her chamber mm. and they just stop. Don't, and they don't want to leave. Like, yeah, they don't leave. They just want to sit there listening to her sing, which is perfect. And likewise, um, uh, The Lament of Orpheus, which is the other piece I was considering playing, which is actually him, yeah. actually Darren singing, is also beautiful. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, you are the best singer in the world. <laughs> and to ha- for a game to have these moments where because it's an action game like it's a really it's a pretty fast-paced action game and it's set for people in, to it's, just stop it's, it's based on greek myths which i yeah. love yeah as well just to see those characters like all the greek characters like the gods and goddesses and other sort mm-hmm. of demigods being mentioned i'm just like oh my god this is so cool and the character design is just amazing yeah. and they get their own songs like their solos and voices and stuff like it's it's so cool like this makes me want to play the game yeah you should. I, I will. <laughs> I think I might. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty special game. Supergiant. I've played some of the games in the past, like Pyre and Bastion, and they they are they're very cool. They're very sort of flashy. They're probably kind of quite leading in terms of having what how would I describe? Kind of like quite oppressive sound design, and it's sound design that really like demands attention. Like the music is too big for the gameplay in many respects here but they make it work like they make because like so often in games the soundtrack is just there as kind of like background Background, filler sound but they very much have these soundtracks that are no they're very much they're part of what you're meant to be paying attention to like they're very there um and they've done things in the past like have dynamic narrators and things and then this um thing as i said earlier like a lot of the characters that they have their own songs and voices and, and things like they actually get to take part in soundtrack like it's almost a musical to a point and that's pretty unusual even now um it's really really cool and it's really really fun and i'm gonna let you decide which one of these you prefer because i this is tough it's not really tough for me oh, okay yeah. <laughs> because i like them both but I was more drawn to Hades purely because of the setting and okay. the fact that it's based on Greek myths and just to kind of see the drive behind mm-hmm. it and the fact that like the music was done in a very very established way whereby it didn't necessarily feel like just background music like it felt like it was re- much more engaging. It's a very very diverse soundtrack. Yeah. It's a much more diverse soundtrack than Spider, which very much ha- has. Yeah. That kind of like core 60s, 70s spy thing, which is, I guess, two sounds, but it, it kind of just stays in its lane and is amazing in its lane. Whereas Hades, it gives you so much. So Hades? Yeah, and you? I'm, I'll go with Hades as well. For all, all of those reasons are pretty much the same. And like, yeah, it's so tough, but it's hard to go past some of those songs. They're so good. I know, I know. But that's like I said, it's, it's, it's enchanting. It's on way. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I guess we don't have to declare an overall winner because there isn't one. No, but I hope the listeners had enjoyed this episode to hear a variety of songs. It'll be interesting to know what they, if they had any sort Thoughts of, of the best, yeah, yeah, the best music from last year. Because there's some really good stuff there, as 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 we've just heard, and yeah, just amazing what's what's going on in in game music at the moment. I think we should maybe try and do this every year and just like keep on top of what the trends of that year was and who's doing great stuff because in particular it's just been so great to finally talk about Jess Curry, Winifred Phillips, Austin Wintery. Um, in particular, like those those guys are just so good at what they do and they're really sort of taking game music in 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 new directions. I, I would say that this generation now is kind of the first like like they're not the first generation of game composers, but they're kind of like the first generation that are really making it its own thing. It's like they are the Bernard Herman equivalents as opposed to the um, like Waxman and, and Co sort of and Corn Gold, et cetera, who started off the genre. These are the people who sort of really sort of cemented, no, this is what games are going to be like. Um, and how cool are those um, uh, eSports tracks? I mean. Amazing. But like I said, and maybe next year, how will they be the same? Or how will they yeah. be different? You know, I know that is that's this trend going to carry over? And then it's funny if we're going to continue doing this podcast and doing these particular rounds next year, mm. or maybe for the next five years, it would be nice to kind of chrono- like document them to yeah. see how things evolve and where they are. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be fascinating. We'll probably have to add new, entirely new categories for things that don't even exist now. Like yeah. that's that's how exciting it is as a space of well, like, like the fact that a best original song for esports. Like I, to be honest, you know, <laughs> I'm sure many people weren't even aware that there are now esports tournaments and arenas going on that are mm. like global. Yeah, exactly. It's like huge, huge things. Um, so yeah, super exciting. So glad to have done it. Uh, let's talk about next month very briefly. It, next month may it may be a little bit longer than a month, um, for the simple fact of I'm um, having like some surgery on my mouth of all things. It's going to make it difficult to talk for a while, so we will see how long that takes to recover. Um, you know, um, but hopefully sometime in the next six to eight weeks we will be talking again about music. And uh, we will be doing two amazing um, films. Um, a Clockwork Orange, this sort of seminal, um, what, 70s Stanley Kubrick film with music by Wendy Carlos. And The Matrix by the Wachowskis, the Wachowski sisters, and music by Don Davis. So that will be an amazing um, couple of films to watch and explore and come through the music for. Uh, in the meantime... All of you at home, uh, please engage with us on our social media. I think this is a particularly great episode to do that with. Maybe, as you say, as you said a moment ago, talk about what some of your favourite game music of the last year or even the last few years has been of, of these trends, maybe. Like, what what has been your favourite eSports uh, soundtrack, for instance? Uh, and those sort of things. I'd love to sort of hear from you and reach out. We are at Tristellar Music, mainly on Instagram and Facebook, but also Twitter if you really have to. Uh, <laughs> no, Twitter's fine. We love people on Twitter. Um, but other than that, please do all the usual. Subscribe if you haven't already. Maybe you've just come across this um, 
this podcast for the first time because we were talking about game stuff, in which case I would encourage you to go back and listen to our Final Fantasy um, versus Zelda episode. I think that was a particularly great one. Um, or, yeah, share with your friends, tell people what's going on. Otherwise, look after yourselves. Have a fantastic April. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So